Another week. Woo! You're in welcome. the works. And today we're going to be answering the question, what does codependency in friendship look like? Ooh, a big one. A big old saucy one. Ooh, this is huge for me, Brooke. You know this is mainly the way that my codependency comes out. Not that it doesn't in other ways, but in my life, I think this has been the thing that has given me the most anxiety trying yes. to overcome. Mm-hmm. You know? We've had many, many a discussion at many, many a pub and <laughs> <laughs> about this particular thing. And it yeah. is, it's so hard in friendships because out of all of our relationships, the ones that remain, you know, besides mm-hmm. our family relationships and besides our romantic relationships are our friendships. So yeah. they're really important to manage in yeah. a healthy way. And I feel like are just not discussed that often, you know, yeah. people put on such a emphasis on how to have a good relationship in your family, how to have a good relationship in your romantic relationship, but it's not really discussed how to have a good friendship. I mean, I think it is a little bit more recently, which is great, but um, something that I think just kind of goes by the wayside. And so when you're trying to get out of a loop, like a codependent loop, I think it's even harder because you didn't even have a foundation for how friendships work or should look anyway. That's a very good point. Yes. And uh, a lot of us don't know what we're doing in that department, to be honest. And I think we get sucked into patterns without even realizing Mm -hmm. a pattern is even happening with Mm -hmm. that friend. And then all of a sudden you're like, why am I always feeling so down around this person or something? You know what I mean? Like it just why does hanging out with this person make me feel like crap? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you end you sort of end up paying attention to your body and the signals that you're kind of getting. Mm -hmm. And that's when you kind of the conclusion, like maybe there's something wrong with this pattern, and that's Mm -hmm. where the codependency comes in. Yeah. And I think that's a healthy way to look at it. What is going on with this pattern? Not what is going on with that person, like it's that person's fault. Great point. You know? Yeah. Let me look at how we're both acting this dance we've fallen into, so to speak. Love that. Because, um, you know, our our counselor, who um, <laughs> we share, we do not have sessions together, but we both <laughs> talk to her. Maybe we should. <laughs> That's a, something a codependent would say. <laughs> I know. I need you, Megan. <laughs> Why aren't you part of my sessions with Come to my therapy sessions. Yeah. But... That's something that our counselor would say to us, like, well, this is the dance you've fallen into with them. You both are dancing this dance, and you know the steps, and every situation, you're going to dance that same dance in that situation, even if that's not yes. what's called for or what's healthiest for you. So mm-hmm. we'll kind of, I think, use that terminology talking about this subject in the the moments to come here. Yeah. But... Yeah, and I think uh, the re- thing we wanted to start off with is to define a word that is kind of pivotal in codependency and friendship, and it's called enmeshment. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> a loaded word. I know. Yeah. And really, I mean, the uh, kind of hodgepodge definition that I think is pretty good is you lose your identity to the friendship. You share opinions, emotions, major decisions, and needs, and there's like a giver and a taker role. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's so it, one person falls in the in that category, the one person falls in the other, and it's not something that's ever discussed. It's more mm-hmm. just a pattern that you both fall into. Yes. Someone takes a role and the other person takes the other, right? Exactly. And then you kind of know your role or know your steps in the dance, so to speak, yes. and you just assume the position. Every time you're in a situation together, you assume the position. You go you you're the lead of leader of the dance or you're the re- receiver of the dance I guess probably not what it's called <laughs> yeah. um but but you it's like an intuitive knowing that right. you just step into right whereas you know like in traditional dancing it's like I'll lead you follow mm-hmm. following yes that's, that's the word you're talking yeah. yes I was like there is another term for the other person yes. that's not the lead <laughs> I just that's couldn't exactly think of it. it yeah but you're right that's exactly what it is you fall into those roles and all of a sudden it's a dance and I love the metaphor of da- was that Sue the dance thing or was yes that oh really yeah Gosh, she is brilliant. I know. <laughs> we need to get her on this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah, but Sue, honestly, help that's us. <laughs> yeah. Sue, help me, I'm poor. Help me. Um, but seriously, like that is honestly what it is, yeah. and um, you know, the next thing that we were going to talk about too is just like the signs of a codependent friendship and mm-hmm. what that even looks like. Yeah, let's so, dig into it. Yeah, so it says one person's always needing rescuing, which we've talked about mm-hmm. in depth, right? Yeah, and I feel like this one, like, at first when I read it, I was like, well, I don't know, you know, because you think of it as, like, the damsel in distress, like, it has to be this big old thing that, like, someone's being rescued from of, like, a breakup or losing a job or some big drama, (laughs) and I'm like, well, I feel like I'm not really dramatic or, like, a lot of dramatic things haven't happened, but then I started thinking about it more, and I was like, oh, actually, I think it's more subtle than that, like... I've had fallen into the pattern of, um, like, everything, I'm, like, creating problems so -hmm. the other person can solve them for me. Yes. That's, like, the big picture explanation. But, like, it would come up in anything, like, we'd come home maybe from a party or a gathering that we were at together, and they would say, how was your night, or how, what'd you think of the party? And instead of just saying... It was yeah. fine. It was nice. I had a good time. I feel this pressure to <laughs> fall into the role, fall into my dance of having a problem with it yeah. so that they can respond with a solution. Yeah, interesting. You know, so then Super I would make stuff up sometimes. Or, yeah. like, sometimes it's, it's like, there are hints of truth in it. Like, you delve into... You just look at things through a complainer's lens, almost. Yeah. You know, and... I would say the bad parts or the parts that gave me anxiety or, you know, something, a description that kind of highlighted my problems that are were potential or were actually haven't happening, even if I had overcome them in the moment and they really weren't an, a real yes. issue. Yes. I would bring them up anyway so that they would have something to respond to. Right. And that's that's so interesting because it's like, yeah, you're you're essentially creating the problem so that they can jump in and be your savior. Mm-hmm. And it is a, the whole focusing on the negative aspects of the night. And it's like, it's crazy because we, we want to assign meaning to it. Like everything has to be good or bad, right? If someone asks us how something is, we feel the need to like have a definitive answer to that. Mm-hmm. When really the true and honest answer to most things is like it was neutral. <laughs> like, yeah, it just was. It just was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it, it feels that giver, to like bring it back to the giver-taker dynamic, I feel like this is a good example of that because I think we both fall into the giver 
side of things where yeah. and just to clarify there's no like give or taker that's not like there's not like a better side <laughs> of this you know I think sometimes there's a connotation of like oh they're the taker but no you you are just as at fault being the giver as yeah. the taker is taking like that we're not saying we're the victims right but but I think both guilty <laughs> we both guilty is charged yeah we both fall into that like um feeling the pressure to give an answer that's good enough so it's something for them to glom onto because they're more of the like controller and you want to allow them an opportunity to control you yes you know so it's like it's both you're both playing into that yeah absolutely it's um you're giving them what they're looking for in that dynamic and you're taking what you feel your role Mm -hmm. should be right so it's a lot of passing back the ball back and forth if yeah. you're I don't know I'm adding a sports metaphor to the dance I guess. <laughs> yeah we like to mix metaphors in this podcast that's just something about us <laughs> you're really gonna enjoy it and be able to follow it very easily really clearly yeah so yeah so that's the first one the second one is that one friend often feels depleted after hanging out and we have talked about this many times mm-hmm. not with us which luckily me and yeah. you do not have a codependent um relationship because we are both fall in the um the role giver. of what was it yeah the giver, the giver side. there we go yeah I was losing my, my train of the thought. follower the giver the passer and the basketball game I don't know yeah <laughs> where are we at here yeah I'll pick whatever metaphor you <laughs> sure. like yeah but um but yeah that is that's why we don't struggle with this ourselves is because there's no one taker in this connection and I I mean there's a lot of reasons why we don't have a codependent friendship I feel like yeah but, and um, I think we talk about know. it so much that if something does happen, we probably would be on top of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah but it isn't, I don't think it's like a natural thing for us to fall into. No. Just the, uh, us two, you know? Yeah. We feel confident and cool mm-hmm. enough expressing ourselves with each other. There's no weird other dynamic going on. Yeah. Yeah. But in other dynamics, we yeah. often are the ones that feel depleted. Yes. After hanging out. Like, luckily, we don't feel that way with each other, but we've talked a lot about how... That's how we feel at the end of our um, hangouts with other people that we have this enmeshment with. And often I think it's because we have to be so hypervigilant in those roles to always give the taker side of the relationship what they they need need. to control. Exactly. Which is codependent in its Mm -hmm. own right there is just Mm -hmm. meeting, trying to meet their need Mm -hmm. with... Mm -hmm what they need (laughs) (laughs) yes such a good point I know really no but but it is that simple like I think you know some we might repeat ourselves in this podcast but it's oftentimes you know when I read certain books like uh like Brene's Brene Brown's books for example she repeats herself often but Mm. in a good way because you need to hear the same point in different contexts for it to really sink in for sure and that's how it is I think for this you really need to hear it how does it look like in this relationship? How is it looking like in this relationship? Because right. it'll sneak up on you. Totally. And I think just having a check-in with yourself after talking with a friend and being like, how do I feel? Do I feel better or do I feel worse? Yeah. Just in general, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not. It, it doesn't even have to be about a problem that you presented them with or anything. It could just be, how do I feel after this conversation with this person? Do I feel like expanded or contracted? And yes. Um, that could be a big sign of, okay, if I feel mm-hmm. like worse after this, then maybe there's some other dynamic at play I'm not noticing. Yeah. You know? And recognize, like, that's, a, again, really good way of putting it because we're not saying 
I feel worse after this hangout. It's that person's problem. It's yes. I feel worse after this hangout. Let me delve into why. Exactly. Getting curious about it. Getting mm-hmm. curious about the problem, but not assigning blame immediately mm-hmm. or judging that person. It's like what it always takes two to tango. If we're going back to the dance, <laughs> yes. um, I don't know what if we're talking salsa or tango, <laughs> but I, it takes two each yeah. time. And it's it, I mean this happens. Or this also connects with romantic relationships as well. But since we're talking about friendship only, I'm saying it's still in this dynamic. It always takes two to make mm-hmm. something happen the way it does. Yeah. So it's not fair to just be like this person That's, is always this. She's doing it that way. He's yeah. doing this. Yeah. Totally. That recognized your part in mm-hmm. the play. Yeah. And yeah. now it's a play. Oh, it's a play. <laughs> Woo! We were up to four. Okay. You often put friends' needs before your own. Yes. Um, often this comes with having no boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a really big thing. And I know that's like been kind of a hot topic in um, society lately is mm-hmm. just boundaries and in general, yeah. how to have them how to, or what that even looks like. And yeah. I think people really struggle with this. I mean, me personally, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I have a really hard time setting boundaries and, uh, and a lot of the times your needs will have to come before that person. So, um, you know, uh, having no boundaries means that you get, you know, you get a little resentful um, about how people aren't meeting your needs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope because I feel like, you know, you can end up feeling like you have to do things for people. Yeah. You have to. So then when people ask you for things, you become resentful of them because in your mind – you're thinking, I have to say yes to this, and they yeah. keep asking me, so it's their fault that I keep having to do this thing, <laughs> you know? And you're not thinking that overtly. Yeah. It's subconscious because your body, your mind believes you have to do this thing. Yes. So then obviously that's the world's truth. Yes. So then obviously they know that, and they're still asking you to do that. You yes. know, that's just how our minds work because it's creating connections. We need to stop, take a step back, recognize that's not true, and set our boundaries so we don't become resentful of people who are yeah. asking for our help. Oh my gosh, I actually just thought of the perfect example for this. So I personally struggle with being the person that like a lot of my friends will call to watch their animals, mm. and I'm always happy to do it, and that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a problem because exactly. I'm always happy to do it. And so I ended up becoming the person that everyone just pinned for, mm-hmm. okay, well, Brooke will watch my animals while I'm gone. You know, like, we'll just let her do it. And every time they asked, I felt obligated to say yes. And instead of getting, like, instead of just setting a firm boundary and just saying no every once in a while when it doesn't work for me or whatever, I would just say yes constantly so they knew I was that person that they could rely on. But... I would get resentful of them because I'm like, well, they're asking this because they know I'm going to say yes. And I noticed a lot of just hostility that would occur within myself that didn't really need to occur towards that person. Yeah. I just been like, you know what? It's actually okay to say no. Yeah. And it's okay for them to ask. It's okay for them to ask and it's okay for you to say no. Mm -hmm. It's okay for both things to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So I just, I had to share that because I just thought of that right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then the next one is, if one person is upset, the other is too. Oh, yeah, this is big. Because, I mean, also because oftentimes we're really intuitive. People who are codependent are often really intuitive or hypersensitive. So you can feel and sense people's emotions easily. Yes. And then you, because there's a control element to this, glom onto that. Totally. Now it's your problem that you need to fix 
you yeah. are at a party, if someone's upset, you can't have a good time. But honestly, really how this comes out for me is like at an at a I keep saying the word party. I just mean like if you're with a yeah. group of friends, a gathering, a gathering. <laughs> um, I'd be almost become like the other person in the codependent relationship. I almost become their like lackey at the party, trying <laughs> to make sure that they're perceived in the way they want to be perceived and that everything they say goes over well and that, you know, I'm thinking about that the whole time. So then I'm not being genuine. I'm not present at the party. Right. And then later when you guys have the discussion for how the party went and you ask them, you know the answer is going to say it went great because you catered that whole night to make sure. And you're putting it on you at the same time. You're saying, wow, Mm -hmm. that was all my responsibility for them to have a good night that night. And I'm so proud I played my role Mm -hmm. so diligently. And also... To your point, when that's the case, then yeah. I really have no answer because I wasn't at the party. I was exactly. working at the party. Right. Like, You're in work mode. I don't yeah. have an answer. So then I yeah. kind of have to make something up. Like, exactly. it's such a vicious cycle. Right. And that's why I was trying to show that other side of it is, like, we're going to go away not knowing really how the party went. Yes. And, and we're going to try to assign meaning to it. Oh, it was good. It was bad. But that's mm-hmm. false because we just were neutral because we were in work mode yeah. trying to make sure you had a good party. Yes. <laughs> Now, why, this is, why are we it's like crazy. this? God. <laughs> we should honestly just no jump off the cliff. No one is going to want to be our friend after this. Oh, my gosh. We, uh, yeah, joking about the cliff comment, obviously. <laughs> Please. Not, not real. Um, okay, next. 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 <laughs> Hard to assert individual choices or opinions in friendship. Oh, my gosh. And this one's really tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this one is hard for me in group settings um, especially for like hanging out with a bunch of groups all together, or like we're hanging out as a group all together and someone brings up a strong opinion on something or a strong whatever. I'm not the one to, you know, bring in the opposing opinion. So sometimes I'll just enmesh with that opinion mm-hmm. or like instead of just being authentically myself in that moment, I'll kind of just like, oh yeah, totally. And like, just go along with it. And, um, yeah, and then I'll just put their uh, opinions over my own, mm-hmm. and then not or really... not even know what yours are because you're not yeah. thinking about it at all. You're trying to think of what everybody else is thinking. Exactly, and then yeah. when you do come up with your opinion on what that thing is, like maybe you're talking in a group setting about some random thing, and everyone's giving their opinions. Your opinion is now going to come out sounding very manufactured, and it's going to sound like a little bit of everybody's opinion yeah. because you've now had time to formulate mm-hmm. something that's going to sound. PR positive yeah. or like a, what is it um, politically correct to everyone to everyone and it's a form of people pleasing because mm-hmm. you're trying to make sure that your thing that you say caters to everyone and not ostracizes anyone's opinions at the at the table type thing 100 yeah. percent. and I think how it comes out for me is like uh when, well I guess it can look different in the different stages you're at you know in codependency like when I was trying to um, there's an example I'm thinking of kind of recently where I have had this friendship that was a little bit codependent and then I was trying to focus on myself, stop being so codependent, recognize when I was about to be codependent and then try to do the opposite. And it's yeah. really, really hard. And there was a moment where we were both going to the same place. We were going, um, I was going from just really close to where the gathering was. So I just walked there mm-hmm. and then the other person, they drove from where they were at. Yeah. Cause they were, I don't know, they were at work or something. And, um, then 
we got there and then when we were going to go, they offered to give me a ride. And I said, you know, usually in my codependent way, I would yeah. be like, oh my gosh, yes, thank you so much. I really wanted a ride. I didn't even want to walk here. I didn't even, you know, yeah. like come up with this thing about how they're solving my problem. They're amazing. And that wasn't true. And I did all my, you know, focus on myself. What do I actually want? I recognize I wanted to walk. So I said, yeah. really courageously, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, that's why I walked. I just, I, I was anticipating walking home and I would, I really want to walk home. Yeah. And they responded really uh, <laughs> awkwardly. Like they kind of <laughs> scoffed and kind of rushed off and like didn't talk to me for <laughs> a little while after. Really? Just like very weird. Yeah. But I guess that's what I mean too is like, um, it was so hard for me to assert my individual choice in that moment, but I did it anyway. And then you have to stick to your guns because people are going to hmm. be weird about it because yes. that's not what they're used to. Right. You and know? then you have to fight the urge as a codependent to not look at that reaction and be like, how I do was I wrong. This? Yeah. How do I soothe this? Right. I was wrong. Let me fix it now. Right. And really, in reality, did you do anything wrong? No, you didn't. Right. You asserted your own opinion, your own voice. That has nothing to do with them. Yeah. Right. But a codependent will find a reason to blame ourselves mm-hmm. for it. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. That's a good example. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I think the last one was um, one friend gets jealous uh, when the other person starts making friends. Totally. Right. And I think we both said that we don't necessarily get jealous if the other person is making friends because yeah. we're in the giving side. So we actually feel kind of relieved like, oh, thank God someone else has taken some of this <laughs> yeah. load off. I don't have to be so hypervigilant every exactly. day of the week. Right. Right. But that's for- what I feel. That's how I feel too, but I feel like that's more of for the other role, the mm-hmm. um, the taker. taker side. Yeah, they're for sure they get jealous because mm-hmm. now they can't control you the same way that they could before because right. they feel the threatened that you are now yeah, branching out. Yeah, and especially if it's someone who lets you be your own identity, uh, your own person on your own, and you don't you know need to be controlled, then yeah. that's even more um, threatening to the relationship. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's. Man, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) It is. But all these, the signs of a codependent friendship that we went through, these are all um, things that you can see in both dynamics for, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say. Yeah. But uh, that last one, I feel like, is definitely a taker type Mm -hmm. thing. Well, and then I think how it relates to us, too, is that I will avoid making friendships so that the other person doesn't get jealous because I know that they don't want that. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a huge one. You know, like, so again, there's not one or the other one's better than the other. We both have a role in all these examples. They just might look a little bit different. Yes. Yes. You know, it goes back to what we were saying. No one party is more guilty than the other. It's just the matter of how these patterns show up and what Mm -hmm. we do and what the decisions we make. Right. And that's a really good transition to the next section because we want to talk about what to do. We want action steps. You know, the question (laughs) is, what does codependency and friendship look like? What really we want to get into how to make it a healthy friendship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what to do, first step, recognize the problem. Recognize the problem. It's, it's always the first step. always <laughs> awareness. Yeah. Right? It's always awareness. And that's why we talked about in one of the first episodes how related these are to, like, the AA steps and recovery and... Totally. Every single thing in life is like that, I, you know. You yeah. have to become aware or you can't work on it. Exactly. It's as simple as that. But I feel like the problem with this in particular is when we look at our friendships, I think our first 
immediate thing is what's wrong with this person? Why do I like you might yeah. notice that something's wrong in this friendship or pattern. You're starting to feel, you know, crappy after hanging out with them, whatever. But then instead of healthily or taking a step back and maybe looking at the pattern between the two of you versus Mm -hmm. that person's just Mm -hmm. always a bad person and maybe I should not hang out with them. It's like, well, I don't think that should be a jump to conclusion either. I think it should just be like, let's look at the patterns that are at play here. Totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that's like in recognize the problem, I think that has to be from as objective a standpoint as you can get. Yes. Which I think is really why therapy is so valuable because it <laughs> we have an objective third party here, totally. the therapist, to, to walk you through that and tell you, I still don't think you're being that objective. That's what the questions are about to get you to start backing away and zooming out. Right from the problem, not because you can't ask yourself those, but because it's not human nature to do that. So it's not, we need some help sometimes to oh, yeah. back up. We're biased about ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have a very specific way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why therapy is so important because it shifts your perspective, which is like the most essential thing that you need in life. Like to change anything is a shift in perspective, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but if just out of saying this as a disclaimer, if you cannot afford therapy for any reason, highly suggest finding a friend or mm-hmm. an outside relative or someone that you could confide in and just say, yeah. look, you know me really well. You know, you might not know this other person very well, but let me explain what is happening and how yeah. I'm feeling. And just let them see, you know, where where they could guide you to where you're mm-hmm. being a little bias or a little certain ways you know yeah totally good idea yeah yeah and and then I think after you recognize what the problem is you become a little aware you need to focus on you you want to reduce the control element between the two of you and reduce the the glomming on to what the other person's feelings and thoughts are right and so you want to learn about yourself and then really stick to your guns. What do you need? What are your yeah. opinions? And then say those things lovingly and stick to them even through the weirdness. <laughs> and this is a big one because this is what the weirdness, through the weirdness. <laughs> that's um, how I've, that's the hardest part for me. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you have to deal with a lot of uncomfortableness when you're mm-hmm. stating your wants and needs. It's not comfortable ever. No. But another thing with this, too, is, like, if you actually stick to... Once you figure out what your wants and needs are and you actually stick to them consistently and throughout your friendships, not only is that going to give you a very healthy love for yourself because it's, it's going to it's gonna attribute to your self-esteem overall, but mm-hmm. it's, it's actually teaching you how to love yourself because a lot yeah. of people ask this question. It's like, what does that even look like? How do you love yourself? What is that, you know... That's such a obscure thought. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how that looks like in day-to-day practice. Mm-hmm. Well, this is one of them. Stating your wants and needs mm-hmm. clearly and then sticking to them mm-hmm. is the surest way that you could show yourself, oh, I do love myself and I do prioritize myself at all mm-hmm. times. And not only is that attractive in general, just as, as a friend, as a partner, as, you know, that's so attractive when people are like that. But also in your friendships, you'll just notice that, like, they're glowing up in, in better ways because of yes, it. Yes, totally. Yeah. And the last part of what to do is be prepared for a major shift. Yeah. And I think that's huge. And, like, in a good way and also in a way that makes you feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because, for example, my car example, the mm-hmm. person responded not well. Yes. Right? 
But over time, once I started making those decisions more and more and more, I felt less icky after seeing them. Totally. And I felt more myself. I felt like I was maintaining who I was when I was with them. And that major shift feels really good. And I felt more empowered. Right. So even though the major shift in response from people might be negative, it feels very uncomfortable, keep going, keep trying. Because the major shift inside yourself is what you're looking for. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a really good point. And I think... um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Like, as soon as I opened my mouth. You said and, and then it was period. (laughs) That's okay. I was just saying the major shift. You want to change inside yourself. That's what you're looking for. And, you know, also, I think it's kind of like, you know, the the word testimony has kind of been taken over by, like, religious means. But I think I love the idea of a testimony because all that means is like remembering what has happened before to get you through what's happening now. Yeah. You know, like sharing your testimony to yourself every right. day or every time some new thing like this happens and you need to be brave, remembering a moment you were brave before and it ended up making you feel actually more empowered. When something yeah. else comes up, you can think, okay, I know right now it's uncomfortable, but in the end, that's the thing I'm hoping for. I know it will come. Yeah. These are the steps to get there. Right. And I, if you're anything like me, I have a terrible memory. So sometimes <laughs> the, I don't give myself kudos for things that I might have yeah. positively done in mm-hmm. friendships or relationships mm-hmm. or whatever. So if you need to write them down, mm-hmm. like even just gr- glance at them every once in a while to yeah. kind of... And I'm trying to work on this too, especially with Sue of like, she's been trying to teach me of like, you need to count more things that you do right on a daily basis to yourself because you're always counting what you're doing wrong yeah. and you're like tracking that like a hawk. But yet, yeah. if we're going to track stats here, why aren't you tracking the stats of when you're doing Be fair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, I just think that's a good way of, of thinking about it too, is just mm-hmm. like counting your wins because those will propel you into getting more mo- momentum in these situations, right? Yeah. Like if you're, you know, if you're thinking exactly. about your wins, it helps. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Wow. We really, I think actually we did a pretty good job. This was a really big topic and it was really close to my heart and my, you know, a lot of yeah. things that I've been working on recently. And so I feel like it's always hard to talk about things like that because you almost feel like it's too big to discuss or yeah. label or define. Right. But I really resonate with what we talked about. I think that was a pretty good description. I agree. And I think this is going to be an ongoing discussion. It's not like one episode where we can mm-hmm. sum up. Like we'll obviously have other examples in other yeah. episodes, but I think we just wanted to cover this question mm-hmm. And just so that our listeners can know, like our format might be changing a little bit moving forward to where we're just going to be shortening up the episodes and focusing on one question specifically and answering it the best we can. Yeah. So just giving you guys a heads up. This is kind of our first time doing that format and hopefully write in and let us know if you like yeah, it. Yeah, we have like an it. email, do you like us pod at gmail.com. Yes. Write in and let us know if you have any ideas for us, if you have any examples maybe of what friend codependency and friendship has looked like for you. If you have advice for us, 
We would love that. Um, <laughs> always accepting that. Always accepting advice. Yeah. Or if you have any questions for us, we're hoping to do maybe like an advice episode of accumulating questions. Yes. So any of those things or just write in to say hey. Yeah. I mean, we just want to hear from you. Let us know what's yeah. going on in your day, in your life. And one last question. Do, do you, you like us? us? Bye for now. See you next time.